This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Here's Speroni, who rolls the ball out to Cannon. He's got options in front of him. He picks out Thomas. This is a nice-looking move from Palace. That's a neat ball to Ambrose. A space on the right. Good turn. He crosses into Johnson! Oh, yes! Back of the nest! Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. I'm Chris Hambling and I'm your host as we look back at a frustrating week for Palace. We'll talk about the games and review your comments and questions in just a moment, but we'll begin with introducing my panel. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, it's, uh, well, let's start with Chris Clark. Hello, Chris Clark. Hello, Chris Hambling. Now, we, in a change to the way we do things, that hasn't taken over half an hour, I would guess. I'm not looking at a clock at the start of our show. We can now see each other whilst recording this. How are you feeling about that? Excited, engorged. I mean, that second word there was unnecessary, I think. Luckily, it's it's only above sort of nipple height that I can see you right now. Uh, That's so, definitely for the best. Yeah, so no danger of actually confirming or denying that comment. Uh, what, <laughs> what have you been up to over the last week or so? You're usually pretty cheerful. Have you not felt your mood dampened a little by just how terrible Palace have been? Almost entirely. If it wasn't for the fact that pubs had reopened, uh, I would be uh, pretty distraught right now. But as as usual, I have a beer in my hand. Uh, it's a retro beer. It's the Clarence and Fredericks uh, Golden Ale, which is no longer available commercially because the breweries closed down. Uh, so, you know, it's one of the last ones of its kind, and I'm about to kill it. Well, there we go. Um, I'm drinking a 24-7 by Rooster Brewing Company. It's a session IPA, but it's above session strength. It's 4.7. What are they playing at? Naughty. This Naughty. is only 3.8, I'm pleased to say. Well, well done. That's all I've got to say on that. Mike. Hello, Mike Scott. Mike has spent the last half an hour essentially with very low energy. It's like he hates being here. Um, and, and the face doesn't really seem to deny that in any way. Hello, Mike Scott. Well, what I will say is that uh, below my Mac right now is at the very least a semi. <laughs> so uh, thanks thanks for letting me see your beautiful face. Yeah, no worries at all. Um, I would say on, on Zoom, my uh, my beard appears to be greyer than in real life, and I really don't like that. Um, but what, what can I do, eh? 40 years old now. I've, uh, well, I've joined you, Chris, anyway, haven't I? So. Mike's still a young whippersnapper. And producer Sam, who we can see eating, but is on mute. 
is, 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 I don't know, is she the same age as you, Mike? Similar age? I can't remember. Uh, a bit younger, I think. Podcast yeah. baby. Unacceptable. Anyway, we best crack on with this uh, since it's going to be a little bit of a shorter one. So we'll get um, some little bits and pieces done first. So first up, our sponsor is, of course, Pitch Sport Football. Uh, do Google Pitch Sport Football. We'll download the app. Join us on there. Lots of stuff you can get involved in there. In particular, um, slightly cathartic at the moment, being able to rate the players, the lineup, and the manager. Uh, sort of getting a few things off my chest there, and they're starting to produce some sort of statistical outputs of how people are generally feeling about the club, and it's um, yeah, as, as you would expect right now. But join us on there um, if you want to add me on there. My code is KUGKUT. Uh, if you don't want to get in touch, loads of you have done that uh, for this week, so thank you very much indeed. But you can leave us uh, voice memos on WhatsApp on 0203 575 1266. Apologies about the motorbike in the background there. Uh, we're recording this a little bit earlier, so it's quite loud outside my house. Uh, if you want to get in touch, uh, just search for Back of the Nest on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and YouTube. Um, on all the ways to get in touch there. And also, you can email hi at backofthenest.com. And we'll pick up your message there too. Uh, finally, one sort of thing to point in the direction of, um, obviously, iTunes reviews slash podcast reviews, five stars, please. Uh, don't need to keep repeating that message, but it really does help. But we're also doing commentary on Hot Mike. We've been very sort of fairly quiet in how we've launched that because we weren't too sure how it'd go. But I think we've now got a system in place where it works. We just now need people to start listening in. So um, if you download the Hot Mike app, you can. Uh, Register and use our code BOTN uh, and start to follow us on there. And uh, you're able to basically use that app to sync with our commentary uh, when you're watching games on TV uh, and get alternate commentary from us. And Mike, we did one uh, this week, um, which, let's face it, wasn't too fun, was it? It was just you and me because Nick had technical problems. But devastating, really, to, to watch Leicester, the Leicester game and have to commentate on it. Well, we've done three commentaries now on Hot Mic between us. Um, and it's great to have biased commentary, I'm sure it is, and people said they've been enjoying it. Um, but oh, it's three games we've lost without scoring, so, um, yeah, it's not much fun at the moment. Yeah, I've got to say, if we continue to lose every game that we commentate on, and look, we've got Chelsea next, so it doesn't really promise too much. Um, but if we happen to keep losing, eventually we will quit doing it to try and improve the Palace results. Chris, you did the first one with uh, with me and uh, James, who has since departed. Um how did you find that, given it was the 4-0 drubbing against Liverpool? Well, you know, I mean, the game wasn't much to talk about, but we had some really fun conversations about lockdown sandwiches. And, you know, one of the personal highlights was my dad burping or possibly farting during the half-time <laughs> interval as well. So yeah, uh, uh, you definitely get some entertainment, even if it's even if the game's not that good. I've forgotten about that. You chose not to mute the video or the mic uh, during half-time, wandered off. And they in strolled your dad, let out a massive fart uh, as he was pottering around the kitchen. Um, and people seem to really enjoy that, perhaps more than the football, which is understandable. Uh, so there you go, a little point in the direction there. So look, we're going to start the show. Our first topic is actually something of a, a lost podcast from from, the, from in the week. So uh, I joined uh, Terence and Albert to do a review slash preview show combined, uh, looking back at the Burnley game. And uh, then obviously previewing Leicester. During the recording, uh, Terence had a, a microphone malfunction, and unfortunately, 
he uh we've lost everything that he said after 30 minutes so you're going to hear the first 30 minutes it's going to be us looking back at the Burnley game as well as mucking about a little bit devastatingly I mean this it was a really good show and I really enjoyed doing it and you know we had a lot of fun and we really lost out because Terence spent the entire show crowbarring in 40 different Kasabian song titles and he is inconsolable right now that he, he's lost the majority of that. You know, he's not a Kasabian fan or anything. There's just the Leicester connection. So he spent quite a lot of time researching Kasabian song titles and finding ways to crowbar them in. So he's absolutely gutted. But we hope, obviously, it'll give you a, a review of the Burnley game. We hope you find it entertaining. And uh, we'll be back to review uh, the Leicester game just straight after. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast www.backofthenest.com Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. I'm your host Terence Ford and it's time to look ahead with Albert and visiting from the review show Hambo to the game against Leicester this weekend. Yes, we've got Hambo joining from the review show so we'll just like gloss over that Bertie's in the background there and um, we'll talk to Hambo. But you've, you've not been feeling too well sir, is it um, the apnea playing you up? It's a combination of things really. Um, <laughs> I've, uh, I've struggled to sleep. I don't know if I've told my story on a podcast yet. I don't think I have. So I was 40 on Monday. And well, happy birthday. Congratulations. Thanks, man. And um, the first thing that happened on my 40th birthday was being woken at 5 a.m. with three police officers in my bedroom. <laughs> hmm. I mean, that's... So what? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Well, seemingly, um, well, they claim that my front door was open all night <laughs> and they drove past and saw it open. Uh, and investigated and like couldn't get any response from me. I mean, I was, to be fair to them, I do sleep with noise cancelling earphones in. So, um, but yeah, by the time they actually got me to hear them, they were literally standing right by my bed. And you know, your things go through your head, didn't they? When it's your birthday, and then there's people dressed as police officers, and <laughs> and it wasn't that disappointingly. Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't all club together to get strip, three stripper grams, no less. <laughs> two you, two but... girls and a guy. I mean, it would have been ideal. <laughs> <laughs> um, Albert, welcome to the show. Sorry, I'm just so aroused at the thought of Hambo with three coppers in his bedroom. I was miles away there. <laughs> Did you tell him it was your uh, birthday? I, I, I mean, I, I, I'd just woken up. I couldn't even say words. It was, um, it was, it was really difficult. Oh, there's so many things. Is you know, the, is, they call it the spirit escalier, don't they? Spirit of the stairs. All the things after they'd left. You're like, oh, that'd have been funny if I said that. Yeah. And I have to it. ask. I have to ask. What were you wearing? This is this is the worst thing. I was I was literally in my birthday suit. Oh, happy <laughs> under birthday! Under the covers. Under the covers, of course. Not even like a little bit of bum cheek hanging out. No bum cheek. I mean, you know, I did sit up, so they they got a good look at the uh, good look at the man boobs. Well, lucky that you didn't get done for inciting a riot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So on your birthday, you was doing the hot mic stuff. Um, Not the name of the stripper. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, that's um, Hambo's been commentating with a couple of the other back in the nest people on the live games I've had on TV at the moment. Um, I think I was supposed to be involved in a test transmission at some point, but 
missed it or something but um <laughs> it's been it's been going pretty well i've really enjoyed the liverpool listen uh me and me and albert didn't uh listen to um listen to the one against burnley called the game I'm, i want to get it out of my head already i can't remember who we played uh, me, me and albert you know thick as thieves as we are was watching it on zoom together and trying to get some content out of that but how do you feel like hot mic's been going yeah really good i mean we've as a risk of giving out albert more excitement we'd, we've gone with something of a soft launch um and <laughs> so we haven't really been we've been promoting it a little bit but not as much as we kind of planned to we're just trying to find our feet but it's an interesting system you know it's quite complicated and and the amazon one uh, for burnley didn't work brilliantly in terms of syncing our commentary with the game but for the sky games and anything on bbc it works really well and it's yeah it's, it's interesting we don't always remember to commentate on the game or talk about football but it's just something <laughs> a, a little bit different isn't it and yeah you sparked a conversation about e17 in the liverpool game yeah <laughs> it was fantastic stuff it was great for the liverpool game and say with um scale sports news or whatever they call it um with four ex liverpool players doing the coverage on their um yeah it was listening to hot mic was a nice reprieve from getting smashed four nil so uh well done on that and everyone should tune in down download the hot mic app on your mobiles um right we're gonna we're gonna get into beer check uh now look Listening to this show, Hambo, you must know I've had running battles with Sam and Albert over beer check. Um, Carl joined my beer empire last week and um, had a craft beer. I was delighted. Um, so what is your treat tonight? Don't, don't let me down. Could have gone one of two ways. There was Bud Light in the fridge, um, but I resisted. And I've gone with Rooster Brewing Company's Echo Chamber. It's an extra pale ale. Um, very nice. Very, yeah, very nice. Quite citrusy and a nice bitter hop. Um, enjoying it immensely. Now, um, Albert, you're a man of simple pleasures. Yeah, that's why I'm on this podcast. <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh, I'm I'm even more left field than you guys. In the beer check, I'm I'm supping on a gin and tonic. Uh, oh, I'm afraid I'm I'm fresh out of beer. Gin, gin and tonic supposed to be um, end of the season vibes. Have, have you got juniper berries in there? Uh, I've got some blueberries in there. A few a few squashed blueberries. Uh, that is not a euphemism. Uh, just Bombay stuff. Nothing. Not even a fancy gin, to be honest. It's proper basic. You know, we're down to the bare bones. Okay. Right. Well, I've got from the Magic Rock Brewing Company. I've got a, one called a Simple Name this week. Ripe Times. Um, it is a New England IPA. A well-balanced and juicy double dry hot New England IPA that packs a big soft body filled with notes of grapefruit, mango and tropical fruit roundness. Big soft body? Were you in my room? <laughs> <laughs> it's been brewed in collaboration with Salt Beer Factory, what apparently. What does that mean? What does that even mean? <laughs> what does what mean? Brewed in collaboration. What does that mean? I don't know. Ask Hambo so you guys can feel why I go and get um, a tissue for wiping up the beer I just yeah, spilled. I did, did hear a bit of spillage there. Um, the, be, I'd be honest, there, but I don't really know. Is it like you, know, you put in, you put that ingredient in, and then I'll put that ingredient in? <laughs> like, how do you collaborate on making a beer? You know, is the collaboration at the idea stage, perhaps? I don't think it's at the brewing stage, is it? That would be stupid. Let's make another beer that just sounds like a load of nonsense great idea they, they all just they do all admittedly taste a little bit like grapefruit let's, yeah. let's face it when did grapefruit okay, well, become an acceptable thing to put in beer 
Well, it's a great thing to put in beer. Um, I'm going to taste it now. I'll, I'll let you know. Um, what, you're licking it out of the bit of kitchen roll? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to save that bit of kitchen roll for later. That is lovely. But um, I couldn't drink it all through the night. <laughs> I'd be wasted. <laughs> I think it's 6.5. Oh, my days. So, there you go. Right. Um, what are we going to touch on first? I'll tell you what I'm going to touch on first. Something I'd quite like to touch. Um, Mark Bright's Afro. It's fire, isn't it, Hambo? Man, I mean, this, it, it, it's one of those things that really makes me miss hair. Not that I ever had an afro or anything, um, wrong, wrong hair type, but why hasn't he done that before? That is sensational. <laughs> it just gives him a whole new look. I mean, it just, you know, there's, okay, there's the flecks of grey in there, but that, that enhances it, if anything. It's fantastic. Mm. Oh, my wife loves Flexa Grey. She can't wait for me to go grey. So um, she, there's no complaints there from a lot of women I know. Um, what are you thinking, Albert? Should he take aim with the clippers or, or 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 grow it out fully? No, he had a sort of... He had like a, a late 70s New York kind of early hip-hop scene vibe, with the, especially with the sort of retro-type um, club shop wear that he was rocking. He looked good. Hmm. Um. I can't believe I'm going to do this link. Um, so, someone else would have liked that. Is probably Kayla would have liked to have nested in it. Um, we've sadly lost in the last week. Oh, uh, yeah. ten, 10 years she's been flying around sellers. Um, had a heart attack at the age of 28. Um, very, very sad. Um, and, you know, a lot, of, a lot of money has been raised down the years by Palace fans for Eagle Heights supporting her and stuff like that. And um, hopefully they'll be able to find us a new, a new follow up. Um, any particular memories of uh, Kayla Albert? Um, just you know, nothing, nothing too outrageous. I never got to, I never got to have Kayla on the arm. Oh, that was something I always wanted to do, but never got to the ground early enough to to have a go at. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys tried it. <laughs> no, I have issues getting to the ground early as well, and sometimes, sometimes <laughs> at all. So. <laughs> Um, yeah um well obviously the uh you know the charlton fan uh went to because served time didn't he for trying to punch her uh, it's pretty mental and yeah. do you remember do you remember when she very nearly took nathaniel klein's head from his shoulders that was, that was <laughs> one of my favorite moments yeah. yeah it was nathaniel klein running away like it was a velociraptor chasing him not just um a, a very highly trained eagle <laughs> But she also flew into the into the lower homestead, and this is when I was in Block C, I think. And I, I vividly remember it because she was flying. You could you could see her sort of flying into her usual spot towards the goal, and just as she was like putting her claws down to land on the crossbar, she just took a sudden diversion and just flew directly at the lower homestead. And it was one of those weird thing, moments where you're like, oh, that's that's weird, and I hope she doesn't land on someone. And she got closer and closer and closer. And in the end, I promise you, this is not a lie, I had to duck to stop her landing on my head. And it just, she just like swooped back up and then went back onto the pitch. It was it was genuinely terrifying. She saw you and was on a seek and destroy mission, mate. Yeah, we she was like, there he is. Can't blame her. <laughs> she thought your head was one of her, her eggs. and thought, All right, mate. <laughs> that needs protecting at all costs. <laughs> well as i say she's flown up to the clouds now don't don't tell mikey because he'll, he'll be petrified but um one thing's for sure <laughs> she was a very talented bird <laughs> oh. i mean do you want to end this here? I, did, I mean yeah this this wasn't meant to be uh take the piss out of kayla i don't know how it's ended up I'm being like this 
I'm genuinely gutted that um, you know, it's sad yes, times. We will all miss her the cabinet institution. Her talents. <laughs> I think I think Albert, I'm gonna support you here. It's what Kayla would have wanted you yeah. to make a, a fairly standard pun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um next up, Stevie Parrish and Susanna Reader back together. Um I don't know. I don't know how this has been found out, but in the Metro, I don't know if someone's seen them sharing a goodbye kiss or something, but um, they're in the newspapers and back together. Uh, any, any thoughts on this, Albert? Uh, I'm I'm disappointed you didn't link those two stories with some sort of beak, uh, <laughs> beak related <laughs> segue, because that's what, that's what I would have done. Um, yeah. uh, have, have I got any thoughts on this? Well, truthfully, no. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I know it's slow news at the moment. Um, you know, but good luck to them. Good luck to them. How do you think this went, Hambo? Do you think you like text her? Like, where did all the love go? You, you looking? You looking for some action during lockdown? I reckon that he did, and the initial reply was, "Who this?" Um, <laughs> but you know, that's that's the banter that they have. Um, like Albert, I broadly speaking don't care, but you know, I, I haven't. Nothing but good wishes for the both of them. Uh, you know, they they split last time apparently due to not seeing each other enough. So maybe there's a a, a renewed commitment there. And we, we love. I to mean, see I that. see her every morning. She's on the telly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, of course we wish them all the happiness. But um, it, it was it was quite funny in our one of our group chats. I mean, with Carl who was on the show last week. Um, someone had put the link up to the story, uh, but before that, we'd been talking about coronavirus um, hitting Leicester again, which we'll talk about shortly. And um, Carl, as, as we know, has been going to the games uh, with Steve Parrish, and um, uh, you know he, he was like, "There, there goes my ticket." <laughs> we were like, <laughs> "What? Because Susanna's taken it?" And he was like, "Well, no, I was talking about coronavirus, but." Uh, <laughs> It works. Well, I'm, I'm the most upset because I've just been waiting for um, Carl to text me going, it's me plus one for the game. So, um, but obviously it's just, it's not happening. I've put enough hints out there, but I'm not, I'm not going to get into any of these games. None, so. none more uh, heavier than the one you just literally just did on, on the podcast. <laughs> Some say begging. Uh, Some say that was a beg. <laughs> it wasn't. I am totally a beg. Um, you know, you, you, you just, you kind of, I've been liking all the tweets of people who have been at the games, you know, uh, particularly like you know, uh, Matt, Matt Woosnam from The Athletic's been at the games. Uh, you know, he's obviously worked his way up through Palace-related content, uh, FYP and things like that. And um, you know, I see Carl there and, you know, I formed a fairly good relationship with Chris Grierson and all that. He's like, yeah, look at all these Palace fans getting these ultimately unique experiences. But there you go. Terence, um, Terence, I've just had a great idea. Have you got an eagle costume you could wear? <laughs> <laughs> and do you like am I, am I, do you like eating dead, yeah. dead mice? <laughs> so I'm actually going to try and pass off of the actual bird and not just Pete the eagle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're going. You are the new Kayla. I think that's that's that, <laughs> that's the angle that I'm trying to work here. You'd have to be a talented actor. Just You'd have to be a very okay. talented actor. <laughs> Is it okay to use your joke, Pff, mate? It's. It, I mean, it's good. A good joke should be used. More than once. Yeah, I think I'd have to spend twenty four seven for the next few weeks um, <laughs> getting into character and, and to be able to pull that one off. To be honest, <laughs> I just wing it on the day. Uh, I've, just, I've done it. I've done it again. Uh, 
<laughs> well, let's thanks, move in. Thanks for the joining us on the podcast this week. We're gonna <laughs> it's, we're gonna leave it there because it's not gonna get any better than that. Well, let's move on to Burnley and someone who was winging it on the day was fucking Ali McQuist. I'll tell you that much. He was the state of his commentary. Now, Hambo, you won't know this because you weren't listening to the game. Correct. But, um, uh, he was a, a bordering on disrespectful most of the time. Like he clearly did not want to be there and um, doesn't care two hoots about Palace or Burnley. Um, but Albert, when he was shown the skyline of uh, of London, uh, the other commentator said it was Croydon, but it wasn't. And then they was he was pretty disrespectful about Croydon, wasn't he? He was uh, just all round apprehensible. Just, just he, what did he say? Or I can't think what he said exactly. Something about I must tell the lads back home that I've I've, I've seen that. It's like yeah, I've seen they've seen the sights of Croydon. Yeah, it's like, the skyline of Croydon. It's like all right, Glasgow, fucking chill out. <laughs> Do you, know, do you know what was even more amusing about that whole shot was my house was actually in the picture. <laughs> Ali McCoy takes your house. <laughs> he does. Um, but there you go. Uh, so I'll let you pick up how, Bo, if uh, we're going to do the review. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as much as any, anyone would want to hear one, I guess. Shall exactly. we log off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, let's keep, this, let's keep this nice and short. I mean, look. There's no getting away from it, uh, gents. It was a, a truly awful performance. I mean, Roy, as I love him when he does this, when he talks about it being a poor first half and a better, uh, you know, an improvement in the second, because he said it in, in roughly 80% of games. Um, but, you know, there's there's lots of things that people have picked up on. I think, you know, when you look at the lineup, there was nothing truly surprising in it. Um, you know, we were positive that Wilf was back and that uh, Vicente Guaita was back. You know, we had plenty of reasons to be optimistic. But if you look at, you know, the loss of Benteke has been highlighted as a, a as a kind of key moment. And and the reason for that is because we tried to play the same way as if he was up front instead of Jordan Ayew. So we were the ones who went direct. But you look at the fact that Burnley had so many players out and they didn't have the usual two big lumps up top to hoof it to. So they changed the way they played. And I think that that won them the game. Because we, you know, I think it was even Luke who said, uh, certainly someone off the game said they didn't expect Burnley to play like that. And it's like, well, it's kind of your job to, you know, expect that, to look at who he had available to him and, and try and think, well, how, how are they likely to play? But um, it's that inflexibility with Roy, isn't it? And, and that's what I found probably the most frustrating. Yeah, I think there was an element in the opening 20 minutes where we were trying to do something different. And I think um, when we were watching together, Albert, I said, it's like watching a budget Real Madrid-Barcelona game because we were, you know, the game was taking really weird shapes. We had our, like, you know, centre-backs and MacArthur was often in the penalty area when Guaita had the ball, like we were trying to play out. And um, afterwards, I was messaging again with Carl from last week and he was saying they were that's something they were attempting for the first 20 minutes and they were trying to, like, feed Ayu into his feet as opposed to actually throw it up to him, especially after the Liverpool game where he just got no joy whatsoever, um, admittedly out of two very, very good centre-backs. But he was saying at the game, obviously, you can hear a lot of what's being said and he said Ray Lewington and you could permanently like hear him shouting to, like, um, to keep the ball and pass and um, they wanted to get Zaha to cut on the inside and PVA to go round the left and that's what Benteke has been doing really well with them and I think that's mainly the difference that with Benteke at front we can he can do both right he can do that pull into feet get you know battle with his back to goal 
with the ball at his feet. But if that's not working, you can just toss it up to him and he'll win you balls that he has no right winning because he's just an absolute beast in the air. So um, I, I, <laughs> I think there is an element of a plan B with Roy when Bentakei's on the field because he can do both in that sense. But when um, when it's Ayu up top, I think we find it really, really difficult and become very one-dimensional. Yeah, and it's obviously not his fault he doesn't have too many options, is it? But but at the same time, now you do you, you would like to see a, a bit of experimentation, a bit of creative thinking. And, you know, it's interesting to hear that being picked up on because it wasn't completely obvious watching the game. Although, again, commentating on it at the same time doesn't really give you the luxury of of examining, um, you know, the intricacy of it. But, you know, for me, you know, if you look at what Liverpool did against us, I think Burnley took the lead from that in terms of pressing us high. You know, there were times where they let us have possession of the ball and didn't didn't press high. But, you know, they came out of the traps really quickly and, and really just forced us to sort of knock it long. You know, the number of times we knocked a ball particularly from the right back area, just straight up the straight up the line. And it's just we're not really doing anything in, in, in that so you just think I don't think Joel Ward for example is thinking that's a really good pass to play he's just thinking I've got to get rid of this because I'm you know there's this players closing me down and I don't really have any options and mm. you know that that to me yeah, was frustrating yeah it felt like it, it, seeing the stats at the end of the game and having 17 shots and 58% possession and someone was saying we had 70% possession in the second half it certainly didn't feel like that well, <laughs> no exactly Go on, we're going out. But... No, it's like the just going back to the what we were discussing on the preview pod for this game. You know, you know, I sort of said if we have two out of Guaita, Zaha, and Benteke back, if we can get two of them back in the team, then I was expecting a positive result. And you know, we had two out of the three, and in my opinion, Zaha didn't look quite right um, from a fitness point of view. And the other one who came back in, Guaita, sort of gifted them the goal at the end of the day, and it was sort of mildly frustrating. And, and the one that you sit there. Ruing that became abundantly clear that we did need on the night was was the only one that wasn't there. And yeah, like you say, that's Benteke. And are are you as good as he is? He, he, he cannot he cannot do that same job in the lone striker role. It's without somebody a bit further up trying to support him. And I know that's sort of maybe MacArthur's job, but again, he can't do it all by himself. And again, again, you got a you got a Zaha who who clearly wasn't a hundred percent, but you know you can't you can't blame the 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 coaching staff are playing him and you got a, a, an ineffective are you bless him um it was it was never it was never going to be a, a game that gave us loads of chances based on that we 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 didn't adjust our shape to accommodate the fact that are you was the only sort of striker that we could play i mean a couple of quick questions that you've you've sort of touched on there that i had for for you to you know obviously i know what i think but you know, obviously, you mentioned Zaha there not being fit, and you know the question I would have is, do we think that was the only issue there, or, or was he, you know, also marked out of the game to some degree? And it also sort of feeds into the question of, you know, when when the sort of the sub came in in the attacking position, Townsend, who I thought was pretty bright during the game, was taken off and not Wilf. So if it was a, an unfit Wilf, and that's why he was not taking players on, and not really impacting the game. Why, why take Andros off in that, that situation? And I, I struggle to have an answer to that. Yeah, well, I mean, Wilf is the one that can make anything happen in a blink of an eye, right? And we know that he can be quiet for games for almost the entire game and then all of a sudden do something special. I, I think of 
uh, that 2-1 win against Watford where we scored twice in injury time. You know, Wilf did nothing for practically 85 minutes and then just comes to life and wins the game. Um, you see that far less than Townsend, so I can see why it is. But Burnley did what Burnley always do to Wilfred Zaha and they stick three men on him. They've been doing it since even when they we were back in the championship and they had, um, what's his chops at right back? Uh, the one who played for England and is now at Atletico Madrid. Um, Trippier. Trippier, yeah. So even when they had him, like even with Trippier, who was one of the brightest young talents in the championship, they'd still triple team him. Um, and that's just, you know, an un, a not fully fit Zaha is not going to have any joy when he's getting triple teamed and um, has no real options for passes inside or whatever. And when he was passing inside, he'd find Ayu, who spent a lot of time running sideways with the ball, you know, trying to find options, trying to find angles to passes that just wasn't there. So, which all just led to an extremely frustrating afternoon. But I don't have any problems with Roy for not taking off Zaha. I'd want him on the field for the 90 minutes if he's capable. Okay, well, do you have issues with him? Sorry, Albert, you go ahead, mate. No, I was going to say, that the, the only thing that I would I would counter with that is that, and I, you know, we, we've been saying this for years, whoever our manager is, you know, and, and that's why... The, the Zaha Balassi sort of duo was so successful. You know, if, if if there's if there's a team that you know Burnley are doing as well as us at the you know this season, and but you know they had they put out what is arguably a, a weak Burnley team. You know, if there's if there's three Burnley players on Zaha, that that has to create space for someone else to to try to try and do something else. And Townsend was good. I've got to say, I've, I was very impressed with Townsend. Um, um, you know, again, we we haven't got any great moves that we can pull to cha- change a game. You know, we can bring Meyer on. You know, we could have brought him on earlier, in my opinion, but we haven't we haven't got another striker we can throw on. So, if you, if we know that Zaha's going to draw three players, and if we know he's not one hundred percent, you know, we we really need to be finding a way for someone else to be stepping up. And I think that's our that's our downfall. You know, we start we start a home game against a weak and Burnley team. And I, I like all these players individually and I like them as a trio, you know, Luca, uh, Kiara and MacArthur. But, you know, is is that not when you think, do you know what, we need to just inject a little bit more creativity in there. And the obvious the obvious candidate there is is Max Meyer. And I'm not saying he's going to come in because I've, I've been very critical of Max Meyer over the sort of last 18 months. I'm not saying he's going to come in and, and you know, put in a, a Zidane-like performance and, and score three goals. But you sort of think, you know, we we have to take advantage of that. It's it's quite a crunch game against Burnley. We're both sort of vying for that outsider's chance of getting into Europe, whilst knowing we're we're all relatively safe. So you sort of think, you know, you look at the team that they put out, and we know that they're going to do that to Zaha. Why why is there not the impetus at home to 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 just go that little bit little bit further to try and win the game, especially when we know that we're really lacking creativity in the striking positions in the final third. Well, what's quite funny is in um, the match day program, um, which is, I believe you can still order them from the club shop, a uh, little, little plug there, is Luka Milivojevic in his columns said, well, aside from letting everyone know that he lives with his mum <laughs> and, and his wife and, and children. Um, yeah, it must be, must be a cultural thing, I guess, uh, drive me nuts. But he said, in the last two or three seasons, we've enjoyed some of our best and most pleasing results and performances against Burnley. They're tough opponents, especially when they're at home. But I like playing against them. I expect us to have a lot of possession, create plenty of chances and play exciting football. Um, do you think part of this is, you know, Daesh uh, has, has looked at his performances 
against Palace we've won the last four and he's properly done his homework on it and said you know how how can we go about you know stopping Palace because they obviously hurt us all the time so let's let's just play to stop them and come away with a nil-nil and then you know they ended up with a one-nil win I think there's a lot of truth in that he was very very happy wasn't he after the game um you know we actually we we got to see him being very happy during the game as well because a lot of camera time uh, Sean Dyche had to the point of absolute insanity but he um you know, he was very pleased with himself and, you know, he definitely changed things up. Um, like I say, part of me thinks that might have been forced with the, with the players he had available, and it just worked out for him. You get that little bit of luck sometimes. But, you know, in terms of stopping us playing, yeah, you've, you've got to say that's a tactical victory for Sean Dyche uh, against Roy Hodgson. And, you know, he's they, they've not really taken too many risks. They didn't play as you would have expected them to. Um, you know, I think very early on, we we because we started okay, you know they had I say they had a bit of momentum, but we started okay and they were playing a few direct balls towards Vidra and he was getting nothing, but very quickly they changed, they kind of moved up the pitch a little bit. They weren't afraid to to knock the ball around the back for a little bit if they needed to. They they kind of played how we were trying to play, if you know what I mean, and um, just did it better than us. Yeah, um, but no, no arguments really. I. I, I don't I don't see us creating any decent chances in that game. I didn't see any in the, obviously in the, any in the Liverpool game, and I struggle to see where they're going to come from going forward as well um, because we just can't get the ball to stick, and um, it makes it certainly easy for teams to come and have a tactical setup which you know kind of harks all the way back to Pardew. You know that after the initial surge that Pardew had, our entire problem was breaking down teams that come and sit deep against us at Sellhurst and. It's sort of become a problem again this season, um, but you know because we've got a great goalkeeper now and a, a very very good back four. Is you know we can get our nose in the front with a one nil and hold on to it, but that's um, you know it, it, they're always small margins, aren't they? And they've all been falling on the favour us so before lockdown. Uh, we got the, we snuck all the one nils, but they could have easily been nil ones, and I think that's been a common thing through this season and. Um, Maybe it's just everything leveling itself out now. We'll end up with a bunch of one nil ones. Back of the nest match preview podcast. www.backofthenest.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, hope you enjoyed that. And our second topic is, of course, to look back at the Leicester game. Um, we're going to do it slightly differently. We've got a lot of comments um, and, and questions from listeners because, you know, we don't really need to keep repeating ourselves in terms of the performances we're seeing at the moment. There's a lot that's been very similar. Uh, so a lot of these comments we'll find are, you know, general as well as about the game, but we've kind of tried to 
to organise them in a way that we can talk about similar topics and cover cover the similar, similar scenarios and our, our views as well as the listener views. Uh, but I do want to start, if I may, Chris, Mike, with just something in the, the post-match press conference that um, I don't know if you, hopefully you have seen what Roy had to say for himself. Um, and I, I, I've been honest, I took a bit of umbrage with it because I, I thought the performance was incredibly poor and that might have been coloured by the fact that um, I just noticed that Mike is laughing. I'm trying to work out why. Uh, just it's made me angry that that uh, yeah. If we if we could just have a a, a pod playing out his stupid comments after the game, and then I don't know, vocodering them or something, turning them into some song, that would be perfect. <laughs> but it was it was ridiculous. He said, you know, we weren't under threat for most of the game. He said, now, Mike, I'm going to go straight to you on that comment because you and I obviously were watching it intently, commentating on it. And we could easily have been 2-0 down in the first half. We did, it's not like we got in at 0-0 and we deserved 0-0. You know, they hit the bar um, and obviously Vardy had fluffed a couple of chances and one really heavy touch in particular was just was a massive let-off. So where has he got this idea that we weren't under pressure? And then even more than that, I, I, I paraphrase, but something along the lines of um, for much of the second half, um, we, we looked like we could get something from the game uh, and look threatening. Uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know. What's worrying more than most things is that he seems to be watching a totally different game to everyone else. Um, and it's it seems to be infectious to the players because we all read Milivojevic's comments after the Burnley game um, and he got roundly slaughtered for him. So I don't know. Uh, it's worrying. It's very worrying. Chris, you're, yeah, you're, I say you're usually a positive person. You've probably got a, a different, maybe a different slant on that. Well, I do a bit um, because, you know, watching the game um, at round my mate's place, socially distanced, uh, I actually wasn't too unhappy with the first half. Yes, they hit the bar uh, and, you know, they had other chances, but I don't think that we were as terrible as the second half subsequently makes it look because, you know, we were. it was the game plan. The game plan was keep it tight, don't, uh, don't concede. And obviously the second part of that, uh, went awry through an uncharacteristic mistake, albeit that, um, and we'll talk about incidents later, but you know, it was an uncharacteristic mistake by Guaita. And, you know, you can't budget for those kinds of things. Our game plan was to keep it tight. We were doing that until that mistake. So, you know, I wasn't too unhappy until we conceded. Well, where, you know, where was the, you know, the, the dominating of possession that he talked about, that we dominated for long spells? Where was this... You know, where was that security? You talk about keeping it tight, but it was only blind luck that kept it tight. It wasn't like we weren't defending particularly well. We had a series of let-offs. And, you know, I, I struggled to see how you could be satisfied with that. And, and more importantly, you know, half the, half the battle, surely, Chris, is, is actually being a threat up the other end, it's offering something. You know, Wilfred Zaha was slow and I wouldn't say uninterested because I don't think that was the case, but he didn't look up to it at all. Benteke was failing to link with everyone. You know, our out ball was to punt it up to him, but nobody was getting close. And you saw the, the staff trying to rectify that, but nobody really got a grip on that. Ayu was, was out of the game for the majority of it. There was really nothing. You know, that first half, and we'll talk about it, the only player that looked to have any kind of energy or commitment was Jairo Riedervelder. To me, the, the whole game was nowhere near good enough, but you know, the first half was garbage. I can't completely disagree with you. Um, yeah, sure, it wasn't a really strong performance. I'm certainly not saying that. But what what I am saying is that I don't think it was an untypical performance under Hodgson. 
Uh, it's it's absolutely uh, the kind of thing we're used to, and I've I've seen us win games like that with a piece of IU magic in the second half because normally adjustments come, not substitutions. That's obviously a, a long an ongoing source of frustration for all of us. But what we tend to see is adjustments in terms of those instructions that he gives to players and the obvious shortcomings get rectified in the second half. That didn't happen in this case and the mistake happened. But uh, just quickly looking at the defensive performances, I, I thought Joel Ward had a very good game and Gary Cahill was largely solid. Now, we'll, we'll talk about the others in due course. I suspect I've deliberately left a gap there. Yeah, I, I just don't think the... Um... Being solid at the back works unless you've got a, a you know a, a quick break and um, catch them on the counter that kind of thing that we've been good at earlier in the season. Um, Zahar's clearly not fit. Um, he's not able to run at people. He only he only managed to do it when anger had really got to him. Um, even I, oh, he looked like he had a knock, but you can't rely on him to come up with a piece of magic the whole time. Um, that planning on that is, is sort of re- relying on something special to come out of nowhere, um, which for me is no game plan. Um, so let's go to M. Drew on Twitter. Changes in the squad are a must. Goal scorers so badly needed. Quality teams will come up this season. It'll be even harder to survive in the Premier League. Um, yeah, I mean, not even looking that far ahead, but I, I don't think we, you know, until we get that kind of ultra-quick breakaway thing going, uh, just trying to keep a clean sheet and hoping to do the Hodgson things, it's not going to work. I've got to say on that, I mean, there's sort of two things there. You talk about the ultra-quick breakaway, and my concern, I have to say, is that is that Hodgson has been trying to move us away from that. Um, you know, he's reacted quite poorly to people calling us a, a counter-attacking team in the past. And, you know, I, I can understand wanting to change that, but the trouble is we're now very one-paced. There's, there's nothing in the squad. You know, without Zaha being on form and being able to accelerate, accelerate away, you know, who, who else in the team has any pace? Um, you know, the only pace we really show is when we're running back, chasing our tails. We don't, we don't really attack with any pace now. We, we're trying to do this sort of passing, you know, keeping possession kind of style. And for me, that's that's what needs to change. You know, it's a, it is an aging squad. You pointed out during our commentary, Mike, that you know Zaha was the youngest player in the team at 27. You know, once Gyro had gone off, I think it was. Um, and you know, and, and we look like it. We look like a, a team full of sort of aging. Players who were struggling with the, with the, sh- the, the the you know the game schedule, so that was that's really disappointing for me. And I think that's key in what Mark's talking about. It's not just about getting a striker that scores goals because you can take a striker that scores goals like Christian Benteke, dump him in a side that doesn't play to his strengths, and he won't score goals. Sim- simple as that, really. So it's about getting a you know enough around a striker. We absolutely need to invest in the forward line, but we need to create more as well. And um, and for that. Roy needs to kind of drop the system that is is just all built around negativity and defensive play first, because you know now we're at a point where you know almost game by game as we we progress, and that's an inverted commas I can do it on the thing, but as we progress through Roy's stewardship, we move further and further away from being that counter attacking team that soaks up pressure and hits people on the break effectively. The more we move along, we we become more of a possession based team. Um, trying to play intricate football. And at times, when we get it right, it's really good to watch, but it's getting f- sort of fewer and further between at the moment. And it really brings it home when you see, you know, a run of poor results. When you when you start seeing a run of poor results and poor performances, all of a sudden you start questioning and thinking, well, hold on a second. 
Zaha's no longer an attacking force. Townsend's barely in the team. Benteke's up front as a battering ram scoring no goals. What exactly are we trying to do? And I don't really have an answer to that over the last few weeks. I don't know what we were trying to do against Liverpool, but I could forgive us losing that game. I have no idea what we were trying to do against Burnley, and, and we definitely didn't. But and this game against Leicester, you know, I don't see what how we went into that game with any kind of a plan about scoring goals. Roy spoke before the game and he just said, well, it was good to get those attacking three back because they were f- so effective against Bournemouth. But it's not just about players being in positions, is it? I mean, they certainly weren't effective against Leicester. And before we jump back into the comments, I, I do want to quickly, a quick nod to the goals because it's worth talking about the, the first goal, gents, and that is... It's another mistake from Guaita, wasn't it? Let's, let's face it, it was a you know ball in from, from the left that... He was just so hesitant. I don't know. It looked like, I, if I was a betting man, I'd say nobody called for it. He didn't call for it and the defence didn't call for it. And both were expecting one or the other, you know, each other to say mine and clear it. But it was quite as ball all day long, surely. Do you remember the Scar Band Sponge? Um, so I did a, did a tour with them and their bassist had once when he was drunk, poked himself in the eye with his car key um, so that he had no depth perception. And it seemed watching <laughs> Guaita yesterday that he'd done that temporarily because he just missed the ball by about a yard. Um, and we discussed it on the on the live commentary um, when we we can't afford to have a single personal mistake um, because things are so tight. That's just an extra layer of stress for the players to have. And once there's been a, a mistake, we started seeing tons of them. So it's it's difficult. It's it's like. A real juggling act. Um, and no wonder they're stressed when they've had three months off. And then, you know, he makes one mistake in a game and then he makes another, which is one more than he's made the rest of the season put together. I think that's the core point there, Mike, really, which is that we've got to cut the guy some slack because he has been you know, almost entirely flawless prior to uh, this you know, return after the COVID-19 issue um, and the enforced break. You know, clearly that's, that has left him and others out of touch and a bit rusty. Um, and also, I mean, I can't see, I can't think of a clearer demonstration of the fact that football is a confidence game than the fact that you've now had, you know, consecutive mistakes and, you know, two mistakes in a game because obviously we're going to come on to the next goal, which is the, you know, the trip uh, f- coming under pressure, unnecessary pressure by Sacco, um, you know where he turns back rather than just wellying the ball as Delaney would have done uh, from the edge of the 18-yard box, um, ends up tripping over his own feet and effectively handing the ball to Leicester to just pass it into the net. You know that that shouldn't happen. We always talk about that, don't we, Chris? In terms of you know Sacco's got that mistake in him, but for quite a while now, it's always been a case of oh when he makes a turn like that, but he always seems to get away with it. Um. I suppose, arguably, you, you know, you kind of used to just take the rough with the smooth because because Sacco was such a good defender, and more importantly, was such a good player coming out of the back line and, and playing a key pass. You forgave him that little eccentricity, but on this at the, at the moment, the current Mamadou Sacco, he's not a good enough defender to be able to to make those kinds of mistakes right now, um, and and has really let the side down and. Uh, you know, there were a couple of warning signs. I remember, Mike, you know, we we probably had a, at least a couple of oohs before that of him, you know, chopping back on, on his on his other foot rather than clearing the ball. Um, but it's just so unnecessary. I, I just don't get it. 
I think as part of a fit team, that doesn't cause us as much of a problem, um, you know, because there just wouldn't be the risk. And if there are fit alternatives and you're not under the pressure in terms of selections, then, you know, you're your defenders who are not as prone to mistakes, even if they're not as individually gifted as Sacco, are in the team. You know, I'm talking about, you know, your Scott Dan, your Martin Kelly options and, and of course, Tompkins as well. And they, you know, are less flashy, um, but less prone to mistakes. And they would be in the team more often than not if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, we're having to cycle through other options at the moment. Uh, uh, yeah, I've got. I've got to add that the, the record between Cahill and Sacco is 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 poor, um, and I, I can only think it's because they're proper alpha male defenders and they don't go that well together. You wonder would, whether Tompkins would have said earlier in the game to Sacco, "Stop it, mate! You're stressing me out," um, and you know he would have accepted it. So I don't. I, I don't know. Um, I, I I don't like the, the 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 Sacco bashing that he got on Twitter. People. You know, telling him to f off and telling him to get out of the get out of the team and that kind of stuff. Um, it's a bit much. Um, yeah, there's there's no need for that. I think when you talk about Saka and Cahill, I think one observation is that they both want to play the left side of centre back. So you actually, it's, a, it's one of those things, isn't it, where you you're almost negating the performance of those two players because arguably on paper they are the the most talented two centre backs, certainly available with Tompkins out. So you'd love to make it work, but if you make Gary Cahill worse by making him play on the right, and then you put Sacco in there, where arguably what you're talking about is right, they're two leaders at the back, and rather than one organising the other, they're both trying to organise things at the same time. I think really that's that's the source of the problem. So you, you know you can see why why Sacco's being linked with a move, and, and why the club probably wouldn't be too upset about him going. But um, it seems a weird place to be from when he joined us. But yeah, well, let's get back into some of the, the, the comments and questions. I've got a few bits on Roy, but we'll come back to those later on. Um, just want to pick up on a couple of comments that relate to the the game and, and the squad, really. So I think first up, we'll talk about um, something of a positive, I think, which and, um, and Roy's comments after the game kind of informed on this, which I'll come to. But that is Cameron's got in touch and said, what were your thoughts on Jairo Riedeval's performance? So who wants to take that first? I will. Uh, I will happily do that. He was. Um, he was one of two silver linings yesterday. Um, he put in real effort. Uh, he looked the part. Let's let's point that out as well. We we marvelled. Well, I mostly marvelled over his hair, um, but he um, he he put in a proper shift. Um, started the first before the drinks break. Um, seemed to not be involved too much out on the flank. Um, PVA was overlapping him after after the drinks break. Hodgson seemed to say, you know, you're going to get more out of each other if if um, if PVA overlap is sometimes overlapped by Gyro. Um, and and for the second half of the first half, if that makes sense, he um, he looked really bright. Interesting that he took him off. Um, not that surprising, um, but yeah, it proves again that he's about the most versatile man in the squad, even above Schlupp. I thought um, I was I was being a, I was a bit cynical when uh, when he took Riedeveld off, saying, "Why well, take the only midfielder that looked like he had any energy at all off?" And I thought it was another, you know, typical Roy decision that we see keep the favourites on no matter what. But in fairness, he did reveal that Gyro was struggling with a, a knock to his ankle, and they took him off as a precautionary measure, and he was quite happy with his performance. 
Sorry, Chris, you had your hand up, mate. Yeah, and that, that was just just to say that, you know, I, frankly, quite a lot of what you just said. Um, but, um, you know, I, I thought the Reed World had a, had a really good game and, you know, staked a claim for a long-term starting position with that performance. You know, I don't know whether uh, that's likely to uh, happen with, with Roy in the way that he tends to select uh, his, you know, chosen group. But I, I think, you know, Reed World clearly gives us a considerable opportunity to rotate players around and, you know, move them into different positions as well. And he's, as you said, very versatile. So, yeah, I hope we see more of him, not just this season, but next as well. But perhaps a show of confidence in him. And I know, I mean, it was talked about on the preview show the other week where Carl Davis joined uh, Terence and the boys. And he talked about the fact that, you know, next year has a very different look to it in terms of what the club are trying to achieve. Uh, and that is all about getting some younger players in, you know, and, you know, Roy has been given that as a directive, you know, it's, you know, the squad is going to have to get younger very, very quickly. You know, we, we yeah, the average age was, I think is 30 in the game since we come back, which again, players aren't finished at 30 these days, but at the same time, if you have an older squad playing game after game after game, it's going to have an impact. Um, and Gyro's got time on his side. You know, he's had a lot of time to adapt to English football now. He's had more games this season than he's than he's ever had for us. Um, and you know, let, who's to who's to say that he won't, you know, be a be a starter next year? You know, I certainly hope so because there's so much talent there. You know, and if anything, the criticism I used to have of him was he was so he was too calm on the ball. He was too slow. You know, he didn't necessarily want to sprint back when he was running back defending. And um, I think that little spell at left back really helped him because you suddenly saw the pace that he had and he could contribute both in defence and attack. And you suddenly just saw much more of uh, more confidence in the way he played. Um, and in his sort of favoured position, which he seems to indicate that's where he wants to play in central midfield, you know, he really did shine for, for you know, in a terrible, terrible team performance, which is not easy to do. So very positive. Um, we also had a uh, message in from, uh, and I can say this as I've said it every time he's, he's messaged in. It's spelt with a PH, so I can legitimately say for fuck's sake. Uh, that's that's PH, Sam, so you don't beat that. It's all right, it's fine. Um, and he has summed up the game with this with this sentence, and it included a, a, a gift to a... Uh, a Simpsons moment where they where they described football slash soccer, uh, and it's forward a bit, sideways, back, sideways, 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 and um, I remember that that moment in The Simpsons where I think it was something like they had the the Titans of Portugal versus the something of Mexico or whatever, and they were just really mocking the fact that hold it, hold it, hold it, yeah, hold hold it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, the commentator screaming about throw, uh, yeah, holding the ball and throw-ons and, and nil-nils and stuff like that. But it it really it was that dull. If I'm being completely honest with you, um, and um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that comment. Um, I don't have any particularly incisive to say about it, but I enjoyed it. I wanted to mention it. Um, but a sort of a question around the squad. It was similar to, to what Mark was talking about earlier, Mark Drew. And Terry Kelly's got in, in touch and said, what's uh, your opinion on whether there are significant funds slash new funds available in the window? There doesn't seem to be any clarity on this. If we have to sell to buy, who would be the likely candidates and what might it raise? I mean, first of all, you know, I think that, I think transfers and transfer fees, things have started to change over the last few years. People don't really talk about, War chests and money that money that's available anymore. 
lots of uh, deals are done with uh, undisclosed transfer fees. People like to try and keep available money tight to the, their chest so they don't get you know get the Mickey taken out of them in in, in deals, uh, which is obviously very dangerous in football. But you know, again, the the club can't do anything other than invest in the squad. And yeah, you've, we've got to get some of the high earners. If you think about people who aren't really justifying their wage, you know, I would say, even though he's had a bit of love recently, Benteke is not really justifying a wage at the moment or the wage that he's got. Um, and I'm saying these players, not necessarily that I don't rate them. I'm just saying what, what, what the current situation is. Uh, I think Sacco is one not justifying the wage right now. I think there's a case for he's on current form for Wilf not justifying the wage, but I'm not going to open that can of worms any further because he's my favourite ever player, and I and don't want to see him go anywhere. But you know, another argument for perhaps Max Mayer, he's not been used, he doesn't play enough football. Is he, you know, is he justifying the wage or is he an asset we could sell on? Youth on his side, so you'd probably argue we don't want to get rid. But you know, there's a whole host of players. You know, Scott Dan nearly left uh, in the last window. So whether or not there's money available, should he be targeted and we can get a younger player in? So uh, all of those players. Certainly in the current climate, the ongoing wage cost would would mean more than the, the recouping of um, transfer fees um, because you, you know that you can balance books a lot easier um, writing money off than you can with an ongoing cost. So um, they, there's been talk that um, the wages are more important to... Um, a lot of a lot of the uh, the big cheeses at Palace than they used to be. So um, if we're going to get players in, they'll probably be on lower wages and they'll replace the the money that's going out. So one player's wages for three new players, that kind of thing. But other than that, I think it's very hard for us to for talk too much about rumours. I'm sure we'll get into it when the when the games have ended and the rumours start properly. But it's it's really hard to say. It's harder than it's ever been, I think. Um. So looking to, to the future, as we've started to talk about there, we've had loads of comments in on this. So we'll get to, to as many as we can. But I'm going to direct this question to you, um, if I may, Chris. And that's from Fury Monkey um, on Twitter. He says, why aren't we playing the youth more? Should we drop Zaha slash Ayu for a match and play Maya in behind Benteke and Townsend on the right and let Sacco go to France? But probably that first question is, is the one that lots of people have been asking. Why isn't Roy using the young players? Well, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Chris. I mean, it, it's it's one of these things where you know Roy has an established method, and we know that he is you know a, not a big fan of experimenting with things. He he has a method that he tends to stick to, and that's drilling players to and and sticking to a set selection. And he, he you know he, it's not just a question of youth. He doesn't seem to like playing other players even when they're in their kind of mid 20s or even approaching 30 he just seems to have a set number of players who he likes to pick and to pick them every game and that's obviously resulted in a lot of tiredness over over a period that's less of a viable option right now there's a real opportunity for him to experiment if he's willing to do that we've seen him using more subs which is a positive thing and maybe he's going to use that opportunity but have we? frankly yeah, I think we have. I'm, am I wrong? I, I, I think that we've probably used four subs in a number of games. Uh, yeah, last I... minute, yeah, late minute. So that's true, but more than previously, you know, where factually we could only do three, um, and he tended to do one maybe at seventy-five minutes. I'm, I'm 
that's that's my perception. I feel that he's using using the subs more, um, albeit not in the way that I would like to see. And then you know I'd rather see a bolder sub at forty five if we're losing or if we've been keeping it tight and it's not worked. I haven't seen the degree of change and experiment that I would like to see, but you know then that's as we've said a million times. That's why he's the manager and we're not. You know, that's why we're just recording a podcast. Uh, I made a few faces during that, Chris, and I know you, you did as well, Mike, including one massive yawn, which I enjoyed. Um, but I just want to quickly say that I did make a face at you when you said drilling, um, but you ignored me, Chris. So I was quite disappointed about that. I was focusing um, on what I was saying, sorry. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. That is what a professional does. Um, yeah. But bringing you in on this, Mike, and just with perhaps an added comment from Andy the Twat 1992 on Twitter. <laughs> Good name, Andy. Great name. And... Um, yeah, yeah, I love it. And he, he says, he talks about the lack of progression of youth involvement. And he says, you can't tell me that they're not good enough if you don't try them. Um, he also mentions that he feels the players are looking like they're on holiday and that we've got predictable tactics, but we're kind of covering that as we go. But realistically, it's that argument, isn't it? You know, if you don't try them and, you know, you talked about your, your incredulity, there you go, um, at Chris's comments about the subs. You know, when we're seeing Pierre get seven minutes and we see Tyrick Mitchell get, you know, 10 at most, is that enough? I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really including the sort of McCarthy for McCarthy as as a sub in in the fact that he's only doing that because these are players playing three games in a week that are over thirty. So it it, it it's like, um, it's like the the, the old Futurama um, Jack Johnson against John Jackson. Uh, it, it go, you know, going for president. Um, he's swapping like for like out of the pool of players that he's perfectly happy with anyway. Whilst you say giving Pierre no time yesterday, giving Mitchell nine minutes, you know the the, the bottle of wine comment. So uh, you know all the all the replies to the club's tweet um, showing Mitchell getting his debut um, was people saying, "Oh, <laughs> he must have got him a bottle of wine." You know, it, people aren't stupid. That saying that we've made. Three and four subs are in his post match. Um, doesn't doesn't cover up for the fact that he's not making the subs that are that are bold. Um, and if we're looking towards next season, we you know we want Pierre. Whilst there's no one on his back in the crowd to to get some minutes, um, it was obvious yesterday that we needed an outlet other than booting it to Ben Teke and him headering it because there was no one within twenty yards of him. So um, you know I, we we can't go through everyone's comments, but Stephen Barton, um, John Hanna. Uh, Magic CPFC Cameron, the, all people just talking about the youth more, and and uh, it, obviously it it does sound a bit hollow, and it sounds a little bit. You can easily say you're just saying that because we're losing, but because of the fact people are talking about we're on the beach, we've already got enough points. I'd rather lose three nil and get these people get some points, uh, get some game time in, than McCarthy have another half of football. I, I just don't see the benefit. I don't see the benefit to us watching it because it makes it even more painful. And, you know, he doesn't need the experience. He doesn't need the game time. So that's, I think that's what makes me angry. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you picked out John Hanna there. I do want to ask his question. I'm going to start with Chris to get them. It's a positive question, and we're going to go with the most positive person to answer it initially. And that is, what gives you hope for next year? So I'm going to just sit on mute because I haven't got an answer. Christ, nor, nor have I, to be honest. <laughs> Um, well, we're really in the shit then, aren't we? So, we yeah. really are. I mean, okay, so the fact that we do have those young players and that we could pick them, I have absolutely no faith that uh, Roy will. 
frankly, and I, I don't think that's likely to change in the remaining games this season, but I hope I'm wrong. And at the end of the day, as long as Zaha doesn't leave, um, that's what gives gives me hope, really, that we'll have another season in the Prem and it'll be all right. Now, I know that's that's actually quite a downbeat answer, but it's, it's about as upbeat as I can be. I'm not worried that we're going to go down. I know that some of the tone of some of the comments and the questions that we've already been dealing with is based on the very drab and uninspiring performances we've seen in the last three games. And I totally get that. But at the same time, you know, I'm still pretty content that, you know, we are as close as we are to our best points tally and our, you know, best uh, finish in the Premier League era. I'm going to talk about fine yeah. margins here and say that if if IU hadn't got us some of the most important goals of our Premier League era and, and you know, we've heard the stats where he, he's managed to win us something stupid like 15 points with with, with single goals, um, we'd, we'd be down the bottom. So it, it, it's fine margins for us to, to have issues. Um, and I'm going to bring in, at this point, uh, Paul Adams, Esquire. Whilst the last three performances were dire and our tactics are frustrating, we are pretty much safe in March. I know all we want to see... We all want to see ambition, but things aren't as bad as some fans make out. Um, and then our own Cy Pizzi, um, and I reposted this on the back of the next Twitter purely so he could get pelters. A disappointing performance, but important to remember, survival was our only objective and this has been achieved. It, I mean, if that's the case, something's wrong. And then I, I, most people swore at him after this, so I, you know, I'm not going to quote him. But to me... What you're saying isn't a million miles away from those comments, which I, I get and I take, but after you watch stuff like yesterday, you can say, fine, if we're going to lose 3-0, then at least put fucking Brendan Pierrick on, you know? Yeah, look, Sai, he, he took stick for that. And, you know, as you say, Chris is saying very, very similar things. But, it, I mean, everyone, they, we always say at the start of a season, don't we, the primary objective is survival, you know, and, Admittedly, like a lot of people seem to be, I, I am slightly sick of hearing that, but it doesn't make it any less true. You know, you do have to deal with reality a little bit. But I think the problem we have now, if we were seeing Palace surviving almost by the skin of their teeth, you know, putting in committed performances but not always getting the right results, that kind of stuff, like we've seen in the past, it's a lot easier to take when we're you know when we have bad performances and when we just talk about survival and we'd all be celebrating the fact we're on 42 points with games to go but it's when you see what can only realistically be described as what you're watching on the pitch getting worse and the best players you know the form is dropping and clearly part of the reason for that i mean take zaha as the prime example our jewel in the crown he is his effect is lessening all the time you know Towson suffered with that as well because the job they're being asked to do in in the side, yeah, it's functional and it's for the team and it's it's all about the you know the overall team benefit. So Townsend lost his form completely when his focus became more about defending than attacking. He's not necessarily a defensive minded player. He's committed enough to get up and down that wing and do it, but he, you know he lacks the skill. Even Hodgson has said that's why he ended up taking him out of the team because he's not that effective a defender. But if you're taking out someone who was an outstanding attacker for the fact that he's not a great defender, that tells you everything you need to know about where we're going as a club under Roy Hodgson. So that's why when we talk about the future, we talk about the hope and the confidence and, and the general concept of, 
of people being positive, you know, glass half full. Oh, we're doing we're doing better than we ever thought we would six years ago. That's why it just doesn't wash anymore. Because at some point we're just going to run out of luck. We're going to run out of, you know, teams are already clued up to how we play. They're already exploiting us in ways that we can't currently deal with. You look at our set pieces; they've just gone to absolute shite. Hundred, it's about hundred fifty-seven. It must be now corners and one goal all season, worst in the division. And we do nothing about it. It's the same every single week. So the more we do that, the more we carry on with this stuff, you know, the less likely we are to get hope. And when we're talking about it being just enough to survive, you know, what's next? Because that won't be forever. If we don't change something and be better and progress, we won't survive for much longer. See, I can sum it up by saying that um, uh, IU, who's 28, has, has basically got us up into mid-table, along with Guaita, who was a free transfer at 31. Um, that's all well and good. And I'm not saying, I'm not one of those people that was uh, saying yesterday, Hodgson out, Hodgson F off, that kind of stuff. I would just love, now that he knows that there's nothing particularly to play for other than the £2 million per, per place, to, to recognise that he has to start getting the club in place for his successor um, and not do a Mourinho and, and be totally selfish and say, right, well, let's give some minutes to these players that have the best possible opportunity, no crowd on their back. Um, teams may be playing a yard slower than they usually do. Um, the fact that we're already safe, just give them some minutes. I, I'm not saying that it, this isn't the best time ever and all that kind of stuff. Of course it is. It, that that just seems too, like Hamburg says, too, it's obvious. It just... There's just a few things that could just make the, the fans a little bit happier, you know? I did a Chris Clark there. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, there's there's a lot to be said. We had a couple, you know, a couple more messages in. I was having a conversation on Twitter with Palace Roberto78, and Fatumsh has also got in touch. You know, but essentially talking about the same topics we are. In fact, you could argue that my rant earlier was, was inspired by those two. Um, but we just... What, it's, you're allowed to have your expectations rise. You know that that's permissible. You know, otherwise, what essentially is the point? You know, if, if people are genuinely saying that we're we're happy to be perennial strugglers at the bottom of the league, then the evidence doesn't really support that, does it? And and more moreover, the ambition of the club, the things that the club talk about about what they want to do, you know, expanding the stadium, investing in the academy, you know, pushing for Europe was being talked about, wasn't it? It was talked about by the club. In this, in this period, we came back, we beat a very poor Bournemouth side. We were all delighted about that win. We all thought, okay, great, we played quite well there. Um, and funny enough, you know, people hop back to the time, they sort of say, look, it's not Roy, because remember when we had Loftus-Cheek and everyone, and everyone was playing really well, PVA, Loftus-Cheek and Will Fall linked up brilliantly on the left-hand side. and The replacements we've got in aren't as good, so that's not Roy's fault. But, you know, Roy hasn't given enough opportunity to, for anything to be different there you know he, he didn't have he go back to what he was talking about when we were playing well with those players he talked about the same things then he was playing those people because he didn't have any other options he played Loftus cheek wide left and James MacArthur wide right as narrow central midfielders because he was convinced he didn't have wingers and we had to play uh, Zaha and Townsend up top at times and all that sort of stuff so he was still doing those things out of necessity so the argument will always be you know what will he do with with the tools to do a different job. Will he change or will he stick with the system? And that will always be a, a what-if debate that we can't necessarily answer. But as we carry on the way we're going, 
you can't tell me that the squad we've got is using the right way to get the best results right now. Since we've come back from, from lockdown and football's restarted, I would probably argue that he has used that squad terribly because he doesn't have trust in, in any kind of rotation in there. He's rotated due to injury. Coyote was injured. That's the only reason the midfield has changed. Uh, you know, he's, he's had to put people other, other people in out wide when Wilf was injured. Uh, when Benteke was injured, he changed there. But again, it's the old favourites that, that always get the, the thing. But we don't change the way we play. You know, Benteke goes off. We stick Ayu down the middle. Don't change the way we play to reflect that. And those are the things that people are concerned about and why Roy gets the stick he gets, despite, especially from the outside looking in, the job he's done appears to be absolutely phenomenal with, with minimal investment. So, you know, it's a bit of a, a circular debate and I could argue with myself all day, but, um, you know, it's a really, really difficult one to call. But right now, I think there's a lot of people who've lost faith in Roy. So perhaps we could end this by... Getting, getting your views, guys, on whether you've still got faith that Roy, with different resources, with investment in the squad, is the man to take us forward next year. Chris Clark. It, well, right, okay. I mean, answering it in, in those terms, no, I don't. But I don't believe those are the circumstances in which Roy is operating. I think Roy is the, the man for the job that we have right now, which is to not get relegated next year. I know that's, that's not what people want to hear, but that, in, in my view, that is the situation this club is in. And unless we get more investment or um, some other massive change of circumstances, I think that's the circumstances the club's going to be in for a while. So that's the challenge. And ultimately, there's also a question over who then succeeds Roy and what the plan is after that. And I think that's the real challenge because last time we had a change of manager, it didn't go so well for us. Uh, admittedly, it wasn't a planned change of manager because Allardyce walked away. Uh, but you know, we, we may be in a position where we're making a planned change this time. And that's the key for me is stay in the Premier League and plan for whatever the succession is. And I'm not... The question is not, do I have faith in Roy to do that? I have faith in Roy to keep us up. Do I have faith in the club and its owners to pick the right manager? Well, they haven't historically managed to do that, but let's hope they change that this time. Well, they picked Roy, so but I see what you mean. Uh, Mike, just your general thoughts on where you are with, with Hodgson as manager going into next season? I mean, I, I very rarely advocate for managers to change. I, I just... I hope that, I, I mean, keep Roy, I just hope he can be involved in a succession plan um, so that he is um, working towards helping his successor out rather than um, cutting, cutting the rope from beneath him so that um, the next manager looks shit because, um, you know, he's, he's, he's made the squad into a Hodgson squad that isn't, isn't any use uh, long term. That, that, that's, that's my main worry. If he stays, great. If he goes... Fine. I, I don't think they'd make the same mistake as they did before. Anyway, um, that, that's my opinion on it. All right, and uh, you know, I think I was several times this year. I've I've pretty much nailed my colours to the mast in that I, I don't have confidence in Hodgson for the long term. Um, but you know, I will say this: that I veer wildly like no other manager between feeling ashamed about thinking that and thinking that Roy's proven me wrong yet again and what a wonderful job he's doing. And literally, as we've experienced now, three games later, I can't believe he's still at the club. And I just I don't know what, what the hell anyone's thinking because there's so much that I think aren't, in terms of things that aren't acceptable. 
Um, and, you know, the icing on the cake at the moment is, is seeing that set piece record um, and just how appalling it is and the fact that we've done nothing about it. I just, those sorts of things baffle me in, in a number of ways. But, you know, I dare say Hodgson might turn it around again. Can we can we end on something slightly lighter-hearted? Uh, a question to, for me, for, for you both. Um, so after Chelsea, we've got Villa, um, who at the time of recording have lost to Liverpool. So um, with Watford on twenty-eight points and Villa on twenty-seven, would you happily see us lose to Villa in a bid to see Watford go down? Oh yeah. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we both said hundred percent at the same time, Chris, which is um, concerning for both of us, I think. But yeah, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's I, why I they would... call me Carbon Copy. It is, it is indeed. Oh dear, but yeah, I mean, come on, we just yeah, we don't. We just Watford going down would be just, just be delightful, as as well as Bournemouth going down. You know, West Ham seem to have turned it around a little bit, frustratingly, as have Brighton, frustratingly. But if I could see. You know, unfortunately, Norwich have gone, and I don't have any particular malice towards them. Um, I don't like them, but <laughs> I don't don't like any other team. But um, but yeah, seeing seeing Bournemouth and uh, and Watford go down will be fantastic. Worth saying. I mean, after the awful experience of that away game, and you know the the length of the walk back to that station um, with no decent pubs. Watford is a an absolute shithole and if they go down I'll I'll love it if they go down because it will mean we won't have to go there for a little while. Come on man that's Albert, Albert's hometown you're disrespecting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I I do do want to quickly mention one other uh, probably give some very quick answers on this but we did get in a message um I filed it under other from Days Pinhead. Please discuss your favorite musicals. Chris Hamilton, all day long. Um, fantastic show. If you haven't seen it, it's a rap history of the uh, American Revolution, and it's just become available on Disney Plus. Yeah, really I've seen. I've seen. I've not seen it, but I saw that it was was uh, was available. Producer Sam has predictably gone for Cats, even though it's d- disturbing in so many ways. It's one of the few musicals I've actually seen. I saw it as a kid, and it's never really left me. Just how upsetting it was for a number of reasons. Uh, I won't get into right now, um, but. What I'm going to say is some of those uh, some of those cat outfits were a little bit tight, weren't they? That's, um, stayed with me a bit, that. Mike, uh, got a favourite musical? I mean, if it counts as one, I'm going to go The Holy Grail. Yeah, there was Spam a lot, wasn't there? That counts. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Book of Mormon is mine. What a, what a fantastic, fantastic call. Uh, musical that is. Um, superb song. It's just lots of fun. And the first times I'd been to the theatre in a very long while when I went to see that, but uh, it was absolutely superb. There we go. All right. Can I just well, also we... give a shout out to Gaddafi the musical, uh, which was on at the English <laughs> National Opera uh, by Asian Dub Foundation, and that was really good as well. I I missed that and am um, confused by the concept, but I like it. Um, all right. So just we usually would have a quiz now, but Sam's comment earlier was that Palace don't deserve a quiz and won't be getting one until they start playing better. Quite right. So um, that is quite right. Um, and I guess, you know, we'll leave it there. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you to Sam for producing, to Mike and Chris for joining me. Uh, check out the preview show, which will be out at some point before we play Chelsea, potentially, but maybe not. We don't know. We're all shrugging. We have no idea what we're going to do. 
the schedule is all over the shop and frankly if um you'll get podcasts when we can be bothered how about that you can deal with it that then um and at some point we might might, might make the video versions of these available i've got mixed feelings about that but we might sam is shaking her head that you would feature sam but silently if we were to release the, the video from this video. so yeah keep in touch as always and we'll speak to you again soon Oh, we can wave, but not they can't see it, Chris, but we're waving. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Mike's not waving and Sam's not waving. They're not really into it, Chris. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.